What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Free agency is just a few days away. So clearly, that's what we're going to talk about today, starting with kind of what's happening around the league. Uh, not a ton of Blazer things happening around the league, but as I do, as I am wont to do, I will tie them back into your beloved pinwheels, all the news and notes from the NBA. Segment two, we'll talk a little bit about the Blazers uh, extending a qualifying offer to Jake Lehman. Uh, it, it seems like a small thing because it is, but it, it might give us some insight into what the rest of the summer could look like for the Portland Trailblazers. And finally, in the third segment, the Blazers introduced Kent Bazemore. On Wednesday morning, I'll uh, let you hear a little bit what he said uh, about how he thinks he can fit, about uh, hear Neil Olshay's thoughts on him, and, and, and just the, a re- quick refresher from his opening press conference. But let us start with the biggest news, the biggest headlines of the day. And to do that, we'll have to go about 1,100 miles or so south from where I'm recording from in beautiful North Portland to Los Angeles, California, where... The Lakers finally did it. And of course they did it. They had agreed to a trade, Anthony Davis, to the New Orleans Pelicans a week ago, 10 days ago. Only part of the snag with that trade or the problem with that trade, which their with GM Rob Palenka was roasted on the internet for endlessly and probably on the radio airwaves and TV, but mostly I just saw him getting made fun of on Twitter was that the trade did not allow the Blazers or the excuse me the Lakers to get a a second max slot this summer so they could add a third top tier star to pair with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But of course, there's always a route to get there, particularly if you're one of these powerful teams and particularly if you're one of these powerful big market teams willing to give up stuff. So that's what the Lakers did. They traded big man Mo Wagner Isaac Bonga and Jamario Jones to the Wizards. It'll be part of a three-team trade. Uh, it'll be included in the larger Anthony Davis trade. Uh, the Lakers are giving up a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, the Wizards are sending the minimum amount of cash involved to be because each team has to touch each other, the touch rule. So they'll send they'll send some cash to the Pelicans. And it'll get done. Uh, the minutia is not that important. If you're into the minutia, there are you know where to get it. Listen. If you care about that stuff, y'all know where it's at. Go get it. But the big picture stuff is the Lakers now have $32 million in cap space, which is a a max lot to sign a player. Not everybody. It's not enough to sign Kevin Durant to his full max, but it's Kawhi Leonard and it's Jimmy Butler and it's Kemba Walker. It's Kyrie Irving. It's D'Angelo Russell. Uh, It's it's even more than you need for D'Angelo Russell's max lot. But the point is that the Lakers now have put themselves in position to, um, without trading Kyle Kuzma, to put, put themselves in a running for a top-tier player. Um, there's a ton of debate on whether what the Lakers should do with this money. Uh, if they were just straight up give it to one top-tier type of guy, they would likely have to fill out the rest of their roster with a mid-level exception and a bunch of minimums. Uh the Lakers are probably uniquely suited to fill out a roster with a bunch of minimum contracts by virtue of being the Lakers, having LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and being located in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where a huge chunk of the NBA is from and an even huger chunk of the NBA prefers to hang out. 
That doesn't mean that you can really create a truly quality roster on all minimums, even with the shine and the warmth of Los Angeles. But they're a team, they're better suited to do it than other teams. Certainly better suited to do it than um, LeBron's Cavaliers. But those teams were filled out with better veterans than just straight-up minimum dudes. So there's a chance the Lakers don't chase a top-tier star with this contract. There's a chance they spread it out over some role players, although it seems like they've always been angling for a star. So maybe they don't, maybe they can't resist chasing one. But it means they can get in the conversation with Kawhi Leonard. They can, he can, he'll come meet with them because now they have enough money. It means that if, should Clay Thompson not get all the money he wants from the Warriors and decides to go talk to other teams, they could probably get a conversation with Clay Thompson. Uh, they could certainly get in the room with Kyrie Irving to talk with him. Um, Certainly Jimmy Butler, too, although I think he's kind of, in my opinion, a step down from from most of those guys. And it means that they could hilariously max out D'Angelo Russell a couple years after trading him away and committing sort of the franchise to Lonzo Ball. They could be back on 23-year-old D'Angelo Russell, who was an all-star last year, although if you listen to this podcast, you know that I don't think he deserved it. So that's your Laker news. They got a bunch of money and they can spend it. They are a, th- a real threat. And even though this was a clunky way to get there, here we are two days before free agency, three days before free agency, and they're there. They're ready to be a player when things start happening on Sunday evening. You knew it was going to happen. It was only a matter of time. The other news, and I'll quickly run through this, the big one, Kemba, Kemba Walker, reportedly has told the Charlotte Hornets he ain't coming back to the Queen City. Crown Town, y'all. It's a little North Carolina slang, just letting you in on it. So reports from Stephen A. Smith and also uh, Rick Bonnell of the Charlotte Observer, Stephen A., of course, the ESPN, they, uh, say, they said that basically the Hornets came in and offered Kemba Walker, who is eligible for the $220 million super five-year Supermax contract that they were... Um, they they offered him something in the range, according to Smith, at least, of about four years, 160, well shy of uh, his max, but also more than other teams can offer him. So it's like they're still offering him the most money, but they're not um, offering him his most money. And whether he ever intended to sign with the Hornets, I know at one point he publicly said he would consider taking a hometown discount to help the team compete. Seems like that might have just been the right thing to say at the right time to a reporter. And if you recall, I speculated just as much on this here podcast. That's right. That sound you hear is me patting myself on the back for stupid speculation. But now Kemba looks like he's gone and all the reports from the NBA intelligentsia, the media members who know these type of things, say Kemba is signing with the Celtics. And all of this is to say that this is the domino that starts the really strange not even strange, but this is the domino that really starts things in motion, the Kemba domino. So Kemba goes to Boston. So Boston has moved off Kyrie. Kyrie goes somewhere, say Brooklyn. If, if, if Brooklyn goes with Kyrie, they've moved off D'Angelo Russell. If they, if they move off D'Angelo Russell, he goes somewhere else, which is going to deflate the market for a guy like Terry Rozier and on down the line. Kemba is the first domino, and today we know that domino is falling. Or at least we, there's plenty of trusted reporters who seem to suggest that the relationship between Kemba and the Hornets is un, you know, unmanageable, unsalvageable. So he gone. 
I think that's the most interesting thing. It's more interesting than the Lakers having a bunch of money. The Lakers having a bunch of money was inevitable. This Kemba thing is, uh, like I said, it's it's the thing that's going to put this all into motion and the thing that's going to, when you can actually, you know, fully agree to contracts on Sunday evening, it's going to be the thing that sets all the other decision-making. So eyes on Kemba. He's a chance to join um, almost certainly wherever he signs. He'll be playing with his best teammates he's ever played with. Um, he's probably one of those overrated, underrated guys. Um, if you're just judging by his sort of accolades, uh, the All-Star appearances in the All-NBA, he probably's um, overrated. But if you have not seen him play even a little bit, Probably underrating him because I think Kemba Walker's pretty good and had statistics that were fairly comparable to Damian Lillard without all the wins for much of the last three seasons. The other funny thing, and this is really quickly because I don't think this is going to happen, uh, the Rockets are reportedly pursuing a Jimmy Butler via a sign-and-trade with the Sixers. The Sixers would have to cooperate with this deal. The Rockets want to send out Clint Capella and Eric Gordon to make this happen. They're trying to find a third team to sweeten the pot. I don't understand why, well, first of all, I don't understand why the Rockets would want to add Jimmy Butler to their mix of maybe less than agreeable personalities, but hey, that's a personal choice. Do what you want to do. And I don't understand why the Sixers would help them. They certainly don't need Clint Capella at $20 million a year. They have bigs. That's not their issue. But whatever, it's curious. Um, And this, like I said, this is, there are a lot of top tier and there are a lot of A minus B plus dudes who are going to change teams this summer. This is one to watch. Uh, this just follows the sort of discord of the Ro- of the Rockets. Instead of breaking the team up, they're adding more discord to the mix. So, I've talked for 10 minutes. I haven't mentioned the Blazers. That's what I'm going to do in the second segment. What the heck is going on with the Blazers? As seemingly many other teams in the league pre- prepare for free agency, the Blazers seem to have maybe already made their moves. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys or let you guys know that for the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during free agency. That's at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. Check us out. All right. So. Um, at the Kent Bazemore introductory press conference, Neil Olshay spoke a little bit about what the Blazers' offseason might look like. Um, I talked at length in that first segment about kind of what's going on around the league, uh, trying to touch mostly on Western Conference teams, but it, every domino matters here in some ex- to some extent, uh, obviously with Kevin Durant being the largest of the movers and shakers this summer. But what the hell are the Blazers doing? Like, what's going on in Portland? Let's, uh, I'm going to play some audio from Neil from that press conference that uh, the Blazers held. And he goes on for about two minutes here, but he gives uh, some insight into kind of what's happening in Blazerland. Take a listen. It's a work in progress. Um, we had talked about this, I think, at the exit interviews. You know, look, roster, roster building is fluid. Um, you know, we went in the draft, we had certain plans, you know, a player got to us we weren't expecting, we considered that a win, you know. Where we are today, adding Nasir and Kent has moved the ball forward for us. I mean, we're clearly not done. But, you know, different organizations make different moves relative to their cap position at different times. 
Um, you know, in about four or five days, it's going to be, you know, the teams with cap room are the bell of the ball. And let's not fail to make that distinction. There's a difference when you have a 5.7 tax mid level and someone has $60 million in cap room, you know, who's going to be answering telephones. But, you know, we return a lot of our core pieces. We've got a lot of stability in the roster, stability with our coach, um, stability with our culture. But it will be ongoing, and it will not be. I know everybody would like to send out their grades on July 1st, and if you sent out grades on July 1st last year, they would not have reflected Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor. Um, so just understand that it's going to take – that's why we have July, we have August, we get into the preseason, we get to December 15th, we have January contracts, we get to the trade deadline. So roster building is an ongoing process, and the more you evaluate your team, the more you know where your needs are. And like I said, I think that's what people should expect is there are not going to be fireworks on July 1st with a $5 million tax mid level competing against teams with two max slots. But that doesn't mean that we're not retaining, you know, the core of our roster. It doesn't mean we're not making trades to add quality players. It doesn't mean we're not developing our young guys. As you guys can see when you walked into the building tonight, you know, Gary and Zach are out there working already. Um, the, our mini camp ended eight days ago. They're still here. So... Like I said, we continue to work and find ways to compete, and we will continue to build the roster and hopefully do what we did last year, which is when it really matters late in the year, we have a team that can go on the kind of run we went on last season. So why I think it's important to play this audio is for a couple reasons. Uh, one, and, and first and foremost, Neil Olshie doesn't talk on the record very much. So when he does talk on the record, I think it's important that if you follow this team and you're, and you're curious about what they're doing to listen to what he says, because he will, he, while he, he tends to sort of bend the past, uh, you know, with the classically bifurcate the regular season and postseason, if, uh, when when the Blazers got swept out of the playoffs, you got it. He was a you know made a, gave us all a buzzword of bifurcate. But he, he he doesn't necessarily like mislead about the future. And I think what you heard from him in that um, little segment, you can go back and listen and maybe see where I'm parsing this. Is that the Blazers? They have made their move. I speculated a bunch just based on. Um, some reporting I had done that the Blazers had were interested if possible to dip below the tax line and say, if we get below the tax line, we'll get the full mid level. We'll have $9 million to offer a free agent. Maybe that'll be the difference. But when they traded for Kent Bazemore, that was the signal because they gave up Evan Turner. That was their secret to get out of the, the tax area was to trade Evan Turner for slightly less money or package Evan Turner and someone else and save a little bit of money to get below the tax line. They're a tax team now. That's, that's, how, that's what they're going to be. They're going to operate as a team in the tax, which means they're going to have the taxpayer mid-level, a much smaller thing. And he mentions it twice. It's $5 million, $5.3 million. He mentions it twice because that, that's how they're going to operate. Certainly, they're going to figure out what is available on the trade market, but he's letting you know. This isn't a team that's... This team has made its trade, which brings me to the point that I mentioned to open this out, is that the Blazers also, this week, the only sort of big piece of Blazer news beyond the after the Bazemore trade, was that they extended a qualifying offer to Jake Lehman, which makes him a restricted free agent. The qualifying offer, and I don't know if this is important, but just so you know, it's about $1.9 million. So that's his. That's what he counts against the cap. Um, 
how that works basically uh, is that this makes him a restricted free agent. The Blazers have, if he gets an offer in free agency, the Blazers have the right to match and can go over the, the salary cap to match. And, and they're already well over, so they can, they can just match an offer that he gets. But say he doesn't get an offer and the Blazers don't uh, reach another... Um, say he doesn't get an offer, then, then since he signs the qualifying offer, he would come back and play for one season at $1.9 million and then enter unrestricted free agency next summer. I don't think that's very likely. I think this is like someone is going to offer... Most likely, someone will offer him or the, or the Blazers will figure out a way to... Uh, to make it happen for Lehman to bring him back if they want him part. If they want him part of the team, they're not going to bring him back on a one-year lame duck deal. But why I mentioned that and the minutia. I told you I wasn't going to do the minutia, but I still got caught up in it because that will happen. But because after, after trading away that big contract in Evan Turner for another even bigger contract and getting more, slightly more expensive, negligibly more expensive, but more expensive, and now after... Basically setting yourselves up to retain Jake, setting themselves up to retain Jake Lehman if they want. The Blazers' sort of last domino to fall would be uh, whether they can, in the next two days, sign Alfred Camino to a big extension. They can sign him to a max four-year, forty-eight million dollar extension. Or he'll be a restricted free agent and they'll have the ability to do the same thing with Lehman and offer him his capital's much larger. It's like 13 million bucks, but it's same thing. They'll be able to match any offer he gets in free agency. Chief is going to get offered if he hits the free agent market. People need defensive reboundy type wings who are relatively cheap. But if you listen to what Neil said, and that's, I just want to reiterate this last time. This doesn't, he's, he's, he's setting your expectations. There isn't a big thing coming. The big thing that com- that was coming already happened. The Blazers might make little tweaks here and there. And I think what he's saying is, you know, when he points out Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood, is that maybe their tools to get better happen during the season when they have the expiring contracts of Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless to, to dangle in front of people. Maybe that's how they upgrade this team. But that, may- that July... And I think that's what Neil's doing, saying, don't get your hopes up for July. So, yeah, listen to what Neil says when he talks, because, uh, like I said, while he might uh, twist a version of the past, he often reveals fairly clearly his plans for the future. That's just uh, good journalism practice. Listen to what any of your subjects that are reporting on say. All right, in the third segment... Give you some Baysmore audio, let you hear uh, about uh, how, he, how he thinks he'll fit on the team, how Neil Olshay thinks he'll fit on the team, and the like. But before we get there, I want to remind you guys that when you're driving to work or just around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device in your car to play podcast Lockdown Blazers, and I'll be right there with you while you drive. Make it a part of your daily routine whenever you get in the car. Just tell your smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. All right, welcome back. So we talked about the rest of the league's busy summer. We talked a little bit about kind of what the Blazers have done this summer with their restricted free agents and got you got to hear a little bit of Neil Olshay about, I don't know, the plan, but sort of the approach to July. 
But the Blazers also introduced a new player. Uh, Kent Bazemore, I think fans are going to really like. Uh, early on in his career, he was the sort of energy towel-waving uh, guy at the end of the bench. He developed into a pretty decent role player in Atlanta. Um, you know, earned himself a big contract by being a, a defensive 3-and-D-type athletic wing. Uh, he's, he wasn't really cast to be a main guy. And I think his contract kind of paid him like a main guy on a team that was transitioning away from a certain era of vets. But on the Blazers, he'll fit a need as a role player, a wing defender, and a theoretical shooter. We'll see whether that comes to fruition. But I want to play this first clip, and you can just hear a little bit about uh, how... Kent sort of sees himself feeling. Uh, And then after that, I'm going to play a second clip. These are two separate quotes. I don't want to mislead you, but they're about the same thing as sort of how he feels like he can uh, fit with the team. So listen up. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, Damian Lillard and I came in the league at the same time, and we're actually classmates at the rookie transition program, him, myself, and Myers Leonard. So a little bit of history there. He's a, you know, mid-major guy. So is CJ, and I am as well. So... Uh, I think we all have that kind of that chip, and you know he plays on an enormous chip on his shoulder, and it's someone that I would love to play for, uh, go to battle with every night. You know him and CJ, uh, you know arguably the best backcourt in all the basketball. So uh, it's, I, it's, I think it's a solid position for me to come in and just do what I do best. Um, you know in Atlanta, over the past couple of years, things have kind of uh, you know the, the 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 I guess the outlook on the franchise shifted a little bit and. I kind of got caught in the middle of that and, you know, trying to reinvent myself in the middle of it all. And uh, But I'm, I'm here and I can do the things that, I, that I'm uh, put on the shirt to do. Ken, what is it about defense that uh, intrigues you? Uh, not a lot of people like to do it. So when you do it well, you stand out. So, uh, no, nah, but, you know, it takes an effort. And, you know, I, I like making it easier on my teammates. And uh, if I can, you know, make it tough for the other guys, best play, other team's best player, and I feel like I've done my job. You know, I don't really, you know, care for plays being ran for me. I, I like to kind of go out there and do the dirty work, like your, you know, PJ Tuckers and Andre Godalas and all those guys around the league that, uh, you know, they just stay in the background. They just do all the dirty work, and you know that's why I'm here. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Damian Lillard and I came in the league at the same time, and we're actually classmates at the rookie transition program. Him, myself, and Myers Leonard. So. A little bit of history there. He's a you know mid-major guy. So is CJ, and I am as well. So uh, I think we all have that kind of that chip, and you know he plays on an enormous chip on his shoulder. And it's someone that I would love to play for, uh, go to battle with every night. You know him and CJ, uh, you know arguably the best backcourt in all the basketball. So uh, it's, I, it's, I think it's a solid position for me to come in and just do what I do best. Um, you know in Atlanta, over the past couple of years, things have kind of uh, you know. The, the 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 I guess the outlook on the franchise shifted a little bit and I kind of got caught in the middle of that and you know trying to reinvent myself in the middle of it all and uh, but I'm here and I can do the things that I that I'm uh, put on the shirt to do. Ken, what is it about defense that uh, intrigues you? Uh, not a lot of people like to do it. So when you do it well, you stand out. So uh, no, but you know it takes an effort and you know I I like making it easier on my teammates and. Uh, if I can, you know, make it tough for the other guys, best play, other teams' best player, then I feel like I've done my job. You know, I don't really, you know, care for plays being ran for me. I, I like to kind of go out there and do the dirty work, like your, you know, PJ Tucker's and Andre Godalas and 
all those guys around the league that, uh, you know, they just stay in the background. They just do all the dirty work, and, you know, that's why I'm here. Uh, I, I look at myself as a plug-and-play. You know, I don't really see myself missing the beat here. Uh, the style fits great. I know uh, I just want to make uh, uh, the guys' jobs a lot easier, you know, moving without the ball, slashing, uh, getting back to what I was doing, running the lane. It's not too many people that can keep up with that, you know, for a very long time. Look at a guy like, you know, Coy Brewer. It's one thing I really liked about his game is that he just stretched the floor. Like, he, I mean, he would just run through the camera guys if he had to to, you know, shrink the defense. And that'll open up a lot, a lot of opportunities for my teammates. There's actually three separate quotes, but uh, the, the third one I played for you where he starts talking about plug and plays from a little bit later in the press conference. So, again, I didn't want to mislead you, but I, I do think those are uh, sort of thematically the same. So I wanted to include them together without you hearing too much of my voice because you get a lot of it anyways if you listen to this podcast. Uh, hilariously to me, um, comparing himself to PJ Tucker, Andre Iguodala, and Corey Brewer, um, extremely role player mentality, uh, which I guess is really positive, uh, unless you remember the $80 million contract he signed. Uh, I, I do think it is a little corny of me to keep bringing up the money, but it is what it is, you know, they're, the, the paychecks are public. Um, so... You heard from you heard from Ke Bazemore how he thinks he can fit. Uh, here's a little bit of audio about Neil Olshay, why the Blazers pursued him. Well, you know we we've always we've always liked Kent. Um, he's a great fit positionally for us, uh, style of play. Um, you know he was a free agent we were looking at in 2016. Um, at the time, he did exactly what guys are supposed to do, which is he re-signed with the franchise that gave him a great opportunity to showcase his abilities, and they got him off the market really before the market opened. Um, but here we are, you know, three years later, we continue to track his progress. Um, as our team got better and better, having a player that plays his style of basketball can contribute at an even higher level because, like Ken said, there are things that aren't going to be asked of him here that he may have been may have been asked of him with a younger roster. Um, his shot quality is going to go up with uh, with Damon CJ, his ability to defend multiple positions, um, his ability to play without the ball, move without the ball will be key for us in terms of Terry's system. He can speak to that. Um, but that was it. I mean, look. Cut Neil off there because he was going to go on. My man is long-winded if you let him be. But that gives you a little uh, sort of the, the, the basic outline of where Bazemore thinks he can play and where the Blazers think he can play. Uh, Neil, Neil was pretty clear about why they wanted him. Um, you know, he didn't talk about, about the, in that clip about shooting and defense necessarily, but he did mention that later in the, uh, later in, in the interview. And a part I didn't include in the Bazemore interview is he, he talks about how eager he was just to sort of get back to a winning culture. He mentioned his first year in Atlanta that they won 60 games and they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And he kind of knows from that early experience, like what, uh, what it takes to be on one of those elite teams. I mean, that, that Hawks team was fantastic. They ran to an absolute buzzsaw. They couldn't handle the, the Cavs, but you know, you can't, can't fake the funk. Winning 60 games is hard to do. So he knows what it's like to be on a really good team, and he's been removed from that a little bit. I think this, he's now has the opportunity to get back to a really good team yet again. So I, I think it's mutually beneficial. I mean, we'll, it, we'll wait and see. We'll wait. It's going to be until the fall, but I wanted to give you guys a little bit of that audio, give you a sense of what Ken Bazemore's like. Um, like I said, I think he will be a quick fan favorite here. Uh, and predictably, whenever you sign a player, people are excited. So you got to hear Neil Olshay be excited about a player that he, that he acquired.
We got a huge weekend, perhaps the biggest weekend of the NBA season this weekend. The fireworks, in theory, start Sunday evening on the West Coast, but the news is just rolling in. By the time you listen to this podcast, my, the first segment where I kind of recapped the, the three big free agent stories of the day, there might be three more that have replaced them. Bear with me. That's going to be the nature of this, of this sort of neck, of this long weekend that we're heading into. Should be a lot of fun. By the time uh, you're having whatever you eat on July 4th, barbecue and or things that aren't barbecued, there could be a whole lot of players with new jerseys that you can uh, get excited about. But I will have, coming next week, a whole bunch of free agent stuff. And we'll see what the Blazers do, even though I kind of think they're going to do nothing this weekend. But we'll, we'll talk about it soon. Tell your friends to listen to Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.